0: Today is a reminder chapel. By reminder, what I mean is that we have things that we want you to know and pay attention to, things like our catalog, our student handbook, so that you know what life looks like on campus, what's expected of you, and what programs you're in, and and what those programs require of you in other words what classes you should be in and things like that but <clears throat> i think there's other reminders that might be good here on the first day of chapel of this semester and so i want to ask the question why do we do the things that we do why do we have a student handbook why do we have course requirements why do we have challenging discipleship well The answer, I think you probably know, it's for discipline. It's for discipline. Why do we need discipline? Well, I think we can safely say that because discipline is necessary to follow Jesus. Discipline is necessary to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not an easy task, not an easy thing. And I'm not talking about following Jesus in dieting or in uh, church attendance or things like that, that might be New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about following Jesus with all that we are. Paul says to Timothy in First Timothy 4-7, Discipline yourself for godliness. And that's not where we're going to spend our time this morning. I want to spend our time in a rather unusual passage. It's a strange passage, actually. And as I read it, I want to see if you notice or discover the strangeness of this passage. It's found in John chapter 21, the end of the Gospel of John. Jesus, in his resurrected state, is talking to his disciple, Peter. And in John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15, we pick up this wonderful conversation. John says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my lambs. John is the only gospel to record this conversation. And it's a familiar passage for us on incentive for ministry, isn't it? You've all seen this passage before. We engage in ministry, we tend sheep, we feed the flock because we love Jesus. If Peter really loves Jesus, he will faithfully lead the church in ministry. It's especially significant given that Peter denied Jesus at his trial three times didn't he? And it's possible that Jesus repeats this question three times for Peter's benefit. Peter, do you love me? It's a strange passage, but do you notice the strangeness yet? Have you seen what I'm referring to when I say this is a highly unusual passage? Our lesson is that ministry should stem from love for Jesus. All good so far, isn't it? But I am not convinced that this is the only reason John records this conversation. Indeed, I think John's primary goal is to confirm and encourage the kingship of Jesus all throughout his gospel. That seems to be his goal. and. It really doesn't mean much abstractly. I won't ask for a show of hands, but have you seen it yet? I coach track in the springs, and I have to say now that this is a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you to respond. I have to say that to my track kids all the time, because uh, uh, I have some kids who are schooled in a, uh, shall we say, a uh, peculiarly um, homebound fashion. Uh, <laughs> and so whenever I ask a question, they're always the first ones to raise their hands and they blurt out answers really quickly. It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to blurt out the answer, uh, <laughs> even if you were schooled in a peculiarly homebound fashion. Have you seen it yet? The strangeness? Well, you probably would not have seen it yet because the conversation isn't over. The conversation continues. When we put in the context of where Jesus goes in the remainder of this conversation, what he has just said, maybe it will start to make a little more sense. Jesus is encouraging Peter's commitment to follow by questioning Peter's love. Let's keep going in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this Jesus said, signifying by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. There is the point of the conversation that Jesus is driving at with Peter. Now, should we forget about the question, do you love me, Peter? No, by no means. Certainly, it's okay for us to understand that passage as an encouragement to minister by loving Jesus. Our goal in ministry is not to accomplish great, large churches, Our goal in ministry is not to accomplish fame or fortune. Our goal in ministry is to be faithful, to love Jesus in such a way that we follow him and serve others, even as he himself served. Faithfulness to Jesus, loving Jesus, is our motivation for ministry. But the conversation doesn't stop there, does it? What is the connection between do you love me and follow me? I think it's actually a fairly simple connection, and Jesus has just explained it. Are you willing, Peter, to follow me at this level? What level? Jesus just told him. When you were younger, you went about wherever you wanted, but when you were old, someone else will stretch out your hands. Peter, you're going to die for my sake. Do you love me at that level? Do you really love me at that level? I mentioned this this morning because I think it's important that we not get distracted. These are important things. Very important things, perhaps, if you want to graduate uh, (laughs) uh, or if you want to not have conflict with your roommate or your dorm mates, things like that. They're very important things, but don't get distracted. It's not enough just to comply with the student handbook. It's not enough just to make sure you get through your program. And in essence, what I'm asking you this morning is, do you love Jesus? Do you love him at that level? And what does your Jesus look like? Brian, you want to bring up that picture, please? If Jesus were to ask you this morning, do you love me? How would you answer? Can't see it very well. But uh, this is a picture that was just taken a couple days ago. Where's it at? Uh, It's Istanbul, isn't it? Where's it at, Levi? Just Just outside the Blue Mosque, yes. There was a suicide bomber who walked into precisely this location where this guard is standing and detonated his bomb in the middle of a tourist area outside the Blue Mosque. Ten people were killed. Fifteen more wounded. He was a part of ISIS. You probably know the routine. But this struck a little bit of a chord with me. It probably did with you too, didn't it? Because Precisely where that guard was standing is where I was standing six months ago. It's where Levi will be standing this summer, probably. Will you go there, you think? You guys fly into Istanbul, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And it may be where my daughter will be standing one of these days. She really wants to return to Turkey after being there for a while this summer, and seeing the opportunities for ministry. If Jesus asked you, do you love me, how would you answer? What does your Jesus look like? When I asked my daughter this question, I asked it in this way. Do you still want to go back? Even after things like this? We stood right there, and I took a picture of the Blue Mosque. I recognized this place very well. We were there on probably a handful of occasions. Sometimes at about 10 or 11 at night, uh, we'd go down and see it at night, see it all lit up. It's, it's a tremendous uh, feat of architecture. Uh, do you still want to go back? Her answer was, well, and she didn't know I was going to, talked to you guys about this this morning, so I didn't uh, put her up to it. Um, this has been a conversation that's been ongoing with us uh, because she really does want to return to Turkey. And she said, well, it will be scary. And it's scary for more than one reason. It's scary also in that she will stand out. There's not many Turks with really bright red hair. It will be scary, but yes, if the Lord clears the path for me to go, I want to go. I'm afraid I may have done my job too well in parenting. (laughs) That tears at my heart. I told her, I said, they'll probably kill you. Your red hair is going to make you clearly an American or somebody from Ireland. And she said, I know. I know. It's probably crossed your mind, hasn't it? When do you leave? Yeah. yeah things may intensify. Turkey is a target right now. What does your Jesus look like? Is your Jesus worth dying for? As you study this semester at Montana Bible College, this is what we prepare for. Unfortunately, I think we oftentimes get distracted by, okay, going to Bible college means I have church attendance, I do discipleship. I get better at certain skills like preaching and, and being a good dad or a good husband or wife or, or I get better at handling my money. and These are all wonderful things, good things, things that I encourage. In fact, I manage the curriculum, so I want you to learn these things. But those aren't the ultimate end, are they? Those aren't the ultimate goal. Is your Jesus really worth it? Is the Jesus that you have in your mind, in your heart, and that you read in scripture, is he worth it? Is he worth dying for? The day may come. Jesus says to Peter here, follow me. Very familiar phrase. On other occasions, he expanded a little bit and said, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not just a metaphor, (laughs) though there may be some metaphorical implications. I'm convinced Jesus was speaking quite literally. If you want to follow me, be prepared to die. Take up your cross. The cross in those days, of course, wasn't a nice little necklace or a piece of jewelry. It was a symbol of death. And a fairly horrific death at that. Take up your cross. Be prepared to die daily and follow me. Is your Jesus worth dying for? What are you training for? What are you preparing for? Not just in Bible college, but in all of your preparation for ministry. Because you see, ministry is about having a body of Christ that produces people who are willing to worship Jesus, serve Jesus at the level that we sang about this morning serve a Jesus that's worth it. That's what we prepare for. It's probably to our shame that there are many churches in existence that are incapable of producing that kind of a worshiper, that kind of a Christian. We've unfortunately, I think, been domesticated, tamed, But what about your Jesus? When he says to you, follow me, is he worth dying for? Not is your way of life or your worldview worth it. Is your Jesus worth it? Are you preparing to die for the right things? You see, when we have those sorts of things in mind, when we prepare to follow Jesus at that level, then... Dress codes, whether or not I can watch TV in my room, how often I play video games, those sorts of things start to pale in comparison, don't they? They start to kind of become immaterial. I'm not opposed to wearing clothes and uh, playing video games, things like that. They're wonderful things. But where is your, your heart and your mind today? At the Bible College, we've had a theme for, well, I guess ever since I've been here at least. It's not new with uh, us by any means. It's the words of Paul in Colossians 3. Set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on the things above that will prepare you, that will train you for a life that matters, a life that is prepared to be given in service, perhaps even in death. What does your Jesus look like? I wonder. Father, we are grateful for your words to us, that they cause us to never lose sight of what really matters. The words of imitation by Jesus, follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me, present to us a harsh reality, a reality that may cause some of us to question, some of us to ponder. We know that it caused many to fall back and follow him no more. But Lord, if we're willing to love Jesus at that level, to give our lives, rejecting the cost and seeing the cross before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. All else will fall by the wayside. All other things will be put rightly in their place. And our lives will be rightly understood. In a time of life for many of us where we are wondering, What should we do? Where should we go? It's good for us to set things in order, rightly, right here at the beginning. Jesus first. Jesus, my all. Everything else then can be understood. Lord, grant us faith. Because that's hard. We are not often prepared to think of following Jesus this way. And yet, Lord, that's why we're here. To train our hearts and our minds to worship the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So give us faith. Give us courage. Give us endurance. When things become hard, we need your help. And when things become easy, we need your help. Make us like your son, Jesus, so that we might walk in his steps, follow in his path, and give our lives for the sake of something greater than ourselves. We pray through him, our Lord, whom we follow. Amen.